don't want to be a laundress. I want to be famous. Well, if you want to be famous, learn how to take blood out of car upholstery. That's a skill you can take right to the bank. Hey, hey. Hey, cassettes, and welcome back to the Black Case Diary. Hey. Hey. Hi. <laughs> How's it going? How's your week been? You know what? It's been okay. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean, it's only Tuesday, so it could only go in a direction. <laughs> Somewhere. <laughs> Up, down, you point. decide. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Remains to be seen. Well, we're three old friends learning everything we can about movies and TV and hopefully teaching you in the process. I'm Marcy. I'm Robin. And I'm Adam. Hey. Hello. Does anybody Hi. ever learn anything? Are you learning? Uh, from us? Yeah. Probably not. Come on. <laughs> I, I never learn. I make it my uh, mission to never uh, learn. I try to forget okay. everything we, we learn on this show. I try to just... When the show finally ends 40 years from now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> or wow, whatever. setting the mark. There'll yeah. be a test. No, yeah. d- don't write it down. <laughs> but there'll be a test at the end. Ah, got it. Okay. Welcome to the 60s cassettes. Last week, we covered the 1962 musical film, The Music Man. This week, we're heading to the 1960s again, but through a film that came out in 2007. Ooh. Or was it in 1988? Discussing movies can get so confusing. (sighs) Yeah, sure can. Too bad we'll never know the answer. In July of 2007, the hit Broadway musical Hairspray danced into theaters. It featured the effervescent Tracy Turnblad, a Baltimore teenager longing for her chance in the spotlight. The film boasted bright and bouncy musical numbers coupled with issues of acceptance and overcoming racial bias. It was an absolute delight, a faithful adaptation with stellar performances from an all-star cast. Much like its Broadway predecessor, it was a critical and commercial success, showing people everywhere that it's okay to be different. In fact, uniqueness should be celebrated. Yes, I love this story so much. It's, I remember seeing it going into my freshman year of high school Mm -hmm. at the movies and it was just this bright, colorful, wonderful thing. And it made you feel so empowered and it made you yeah. feel confident. And you just yeah. like, there's a nice, friendly feeling. And I, I, I remember that and just holding on to that yeah. <laughs> going yep. into high school. High school, yes. It's one of the most upbeat and energetic musicals i've ever seen yeah Mm -hmm. like there are energetic moments in pretty much everything but this one is like non-stop (laughs) every song is a bop yeah you just you can't stop the beat yeah so get out your cans of hair cement and get those (laughs) dues as high as they will go it's time to talk about hairspray hairspray oh my goodness ultra clutch (laughs) hair cement is hilarious So we're going to do a little quick history of Hairspray, the movie, the musical. You get it. We have yeah. to we have to do a, yeah. a history. We should we should have like a little like da-da-da, whenever we go into <laughs> the history, history segment. <laughs> history with Robin. Yeah, cuz it's always <laughs> we always have one. So in order to talk about Hairspray, we're going to have to head back to the very beginning. It's a very good place to start. Yeah. Filmmaker John Waters has been producing independent films since he was a teenager in 1960s Baltimore. Growing up in the area, he was familiar with a program called The Buddy Dean Show, an American bandstand-style show that introduced new music and dance to at-home viewers. 
That sounds like fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. These were very popular in the 1960s. And I, I think they kind of trickled into later generations. I think even in like as late as the 80s. After writing an article about a reunion of that show's cast, Waters was inspired to write a fictional story about the Buddy Dean show, set in 1960s Baltimore, when the show aired. In every film Waters had made up to that point, he featured the actor Harris Milstead, better known by his stage name, Divine. After writing his new screenplay, he asked Divine to appear in the film, and for the first time, he actually would not have the starring role. So, every movie up to that point, Divine, it was the guy that he actually knew from high school, yeah. was in every single movie that John Waters made huh. and was yeah. the star, was the lead. Waters wanted a teenage girl for the lead role of Tracy Turnblad. He held an open call and cast the then-unknown actress Ricky Lake for the part. Yay. All right. All right. We all Heck know who yeah. Ricky Lake is. Yeah. After securing other stars like Sonny Bono and Jerry Stiller, Hairspray opened February of 1988. The film was a success, making John Waters and Ricky Lake household names. They continued to work together for years afterward, most notably on the film Crybaby. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think Crybaby's a... Uh, Marcy one. likes Crybaby. I like Crybaby. Okay. Yeah, yeah. In the late 1990s, producer Margot Lyon rented the movie and felt like it was perfect for a musical adaptation. She called up John Waters, who was interested to see how Broadway would interpret the story. They both knew that screen-to-stage adaptations aren't always successful, especially when the stage version tries too hard to be the film. Lyon wanted to find a way to make a musical that could stand on its own while still holding onto the heart and soul of the original. She tapped composer and songwriter Mark Shaman, who agreed to the project if his partner, Scott Whitman, could pen the lyrics. After their songs got John Waters' stamp of approval, the team pushed forward, securing writer Thomas Meehan, who also wrote the book for Annie, nice. and director Rob Marshall, who was also working on the film Chicago at the time. All right. Heck yeah. For the lead, Marshall, who would later be replaced by director Jack O'Brien, he dropped out because, again, mm-hmm. Chicago, Chicago, chose Marissa Jarrett Winokur, who would go on to win a Tony for the role. In the spirit of the original, the producers decided that they should cast a man for the part of Edna Turnblad. They chose the legendary Harvey Firestein, who continued on Divine's legacy as well as anyone could. Divine, unfortunately, passed away, I think, mm. almost, it, it was only a couple weeks after the original premiered Aww. that he passed away. So they, you know, continuing that legacy, having a man play the role is really mm. good. It was really nice. Yeah. I'm so mm. glad they did that. The musical opened to rave reviews, winning eight Tony Awards. After five years, the musical would be adapted to film, this time with Nikki Blonsky in the role. John Waters said of the 2007 film, I'm proud that I thought of something in my bed in my crummy old apartment that I certainly think will make Nikki a star. The way the first movie made Ricky a star and the musical made Marissa a star. Yeah. 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 It's a big role. I mean, after Ricky starred in this, she, you know, got more starring roles. She actually was the youngest person to ever host a daytime talk show. Wow. Hey. You know, hey. like, yeah, she she really did well after. Yeah. You know, and so it's really cool. I mean, this, this role is really big and is kind of like a star-making role usually. Mm-hmm. 
I also wanted to point out, last week we talked about The Music Man. The Music Man was on Broadway for five years. Yes. Before it was made into a movie. Yeah. This, also on Broadway, five years before it was made into a movie. Oh. Coincidence? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it, was a coincidence. Compl- it was a complete coincidence. We had no idea. Yep. We're just good at finding coincidences. Yeah, we just really are. You know, coincidence just happened. That We noticed that a lot. So for those of you who haven't seen this movie, I will be giving you a rundown. <laughs> the Corny Collins show in Baltimore is having auditions, and despite being overweight, Tracy Turnblad has her heart set on becoming one of the stars. Using some dance moves she learned from a new friend, Seaweed, she is able to earn a spot in the show and become an overnight sensation. Her father even helps keep her in the spotlight by selling Tracy-branded merchandise at his joke shop, which is great. <laughs> Hell yeah. As Tracy navigates her new position in the group, she strives to change the popular structure set in place by using her platform to integrate the Corny Collins show. Yeah. In a lot of movies, the whole thing about her getting a spot mm-hmm. would be the whole story. Yeah. Yeah. But then this is like, nope, she got it. She's that good. Yeah. And then she does other stuff affecting everyone else. Yes. It's like a totally upside down yeah. movie. Yes. This movie is really good about a lot of things. And one thing that I really love about it is we have a main character. She's overweight. And this is a huge plot point. It's a big part of the story. Yeah. It mm. cannot be overlooked. It nope. cannot be missed. It is important to her character. Mm-hmm. However, it's not that big of a deal to her. And because she overlooks it and because she's like, hey, I'm great. Yeah. And I deserve to be on this show. And that confidence is enough to really break down any kind of movie barriers mm-hmm. that usually are in place, right? Mm-hmm. The movie treats her like a regular person. Yeah. Despite the fact that she is overweight. Mm-hmm. And that's really special and cool. It, it is really great how they are so quick to move past a thing like that. Because mm-hmm. like I said, any other movie would make that the focus of the mm-hmm. story. Yeah. So now we're going to talk a little bit about the making of the movie. Of yes. Course. Yes. So after producing the wildly successful and heavily awarded Chicago, Craig Zayden and Neil Mirren wanted to work on another musical. I mean, why not? Of that course. one was a hit. Of course. Let's move on. Do another one. They had previously worked on projects like Footloose, Gypsy, and the 1997 Wonderful World of Disney classic, Cinderella. You know, the one with Brandy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The best one. Once the producers were tied to the project, they chose Adam Shankman to direct. Shankman had made films like The Wedding Planner and A Walk to Remember. Shankman was not the project's first pick as the studio had first tried to get both Jack O'Brien and Rob Marshall, which didn't work out due to scheduling conflicts. Adam Shankman has a personal connection to Hairspray. He knew the original songwriters and was even around when they were writing the tunes for the Broadway show. He attended Hairspray's opening night on Broadway as well. Nice. Wow. Yeah. That would be amazing. Because of this, Shankman begged to be a part of the production but was turned down (gasps) he was crushed i mean yeah i would be too Mm -hmm. his agent convinced him to try again and shankman said he would only meet with the filmmakers if he was guaranteed to get it oh (laughs) 
I don't know yeah. about that outlook, but yeah. Hey. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I guess he basically what he said was, "I can't go in there again and be told no. Uh, it will yeah, break right, my heart. Right, right, right. I don't want to do it. Yeah, they already know I want this." Mm-hmm. Can't they just give it to me? Yeah, mm-hmm. basically like, that's what it was. I don't, I don't want to hurt again. <laughs> yeah, don't make me hurt again. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, though, the producers ultimately decided Shankman was perfect for the job. I agree. In yes. retrospect, you're like, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's always hindsight's twenty twenty. It's like, yeah. of course, because look at how good he did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. John Waters gave Shankman advice on how to direct the film. He told Collider about the exchange, saying, John Waters, when I first got the movie, said, I'm so excited for you. You're such a fabulous choice for this. And I was like, thought bubble, question mark, what? And he said, my only advice to you is you have to do your own thing. You can't do what I did. Don't do what they did. This story only works if it's told from a really personal perspective. So don't try to. In this case, imitation will not be flattery for you. So just go for it. I love that. I love knowing that that is what's behind this. That this is a personal, it's personal for everybody. Screenwriter Leslie Dixon adapted the story from the stage. She has also written the screenplay for some other known movies, such as The Thomas Crown Affair, Mrs. Doubtfire, and Runaway Bride. Once the movie began taking shape, investors were needed, and the majority that helped fund the movie came from China. In order to draw in these investors and audiences, the studio needed a big name. They decided this big name would be John Travolta, the once-crowned prince of movie musicals. Although he had not done a musical in 30 years, they knew he would draw the crowds. Travolta, famous for his long deliberations for roles, was hesitant and made the filmmakers wait over a year before making a decision. I, okay. Dude. (laughs) That's a long time. That's a long time. That sure is. That sure is a long time. But I'm glad they waited for it. Yeah. We were all really excited. When we saw the posters and mm-hmm. we knew that he was going to be in it, it we, we were all pretty thrilled. Mm-hmm. Yes. Travolta, in a New York Times interview, after being asked about his hesitation, said that playing a woman attracted me. Playing a drag queen did not. The vaudeville idea of a man in a dress is a joke that works better on stage than it does on film. And I didn't want any winking or camping. I didn't want it to be John Travolta plays Edna. That's not interesting. It had to be something I could go all the way with. Disappear in, like I did in the Bill Clinton role in Primary Colors or in Saturday Night Fever. It, it seems like he was really thoughtful about it, at least. Yeah. Like, he was thinking, like, okay, stage versus movie. It, it, it kind of sounds like he didn't want to be just seen all the times, like, oh, look at that man playing a woman. He just wanted yeah. to yeah. play... This woman character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he happened to be a man. When he finally agreed to the part, he had one condition that Christopher Walken play Wilbur so that he was not the only known star in the film. He also wanted an Academy Award winner to play his husband. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really funny that he was worried that there wouldn't be other stars in this movie. Yes. Because this is a star studded cast. Yes. Yeah. This is like, I mean, what? <laughs> 
It is, that's really funny to me that yes. he, he was worried that yeah. he would be the biggest name in the cast. Like, Queen yeah. Latifah's in this movie. I know, like, right? Yeah. I can't. To name one. Yeah, I can't even. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In, in one of the articles, I, I feel like he made it sound like he was the reason every other famous person was in it. Like, I didn't well, want to be the only one. That. So I wanted, I got them to have Michelle Pfeiffer in it. Yeah, and Michelle I got them Pfeiffer. To, yeah. Michelle <laughs> like, Pfeiffer. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, no he no. certainly is not. I Yeah, I would say Michelle Pfeiffer even... I would say she's at least on his level of fame. Yes. There's something magical about finding a fresh face for a starring role. Shankman and the casting director, David Rubin, decided that an open call was best for finding the star for the role of Tracy Turnblad. A few reasons guided them to this decision. Because not only were there no overweight teenage movie stars, but the first two girls cast as Tracy were also unknown actresses. Yeah, this is a role for an unknown. Yeah. This is something, you know, you kind of, it's like give somebody else a shot, right? Mm -hmm. In each city, there are about 300 to 500 girls to audition. Damn. Holy cow. Yeah. In open calls, you want to keep your ears and mind open to all possibilities. So it's hard to immediately say, yes, this is the person. Even though they received Nikki Blonsky's tape early, they kept searching, but kept coming back to her. Nikki actually worked at a Cold Stone Creamery, and when they decided to break the news, they told her that the director wanted to meet with all the finalists virtually. When Shankman popped up on her screen, he told her to make herself an ice cream cone because she got the part. Oh, man. <laughs> that had to be, first of all, stressful, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. You're at work. Yeah. At your other job. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, this is just a meeting with the director, with yeah. the finalists. And you're just like, manager, please, can I go like, on break uh, real quick? Like, yeah. oh, my God, I can't imagine. And thinking about it, like, if you're told that it's you and the finalists, yeah. you're like, okay, it's going to be me and, like, 20 other girls. Yeah. yeah. And I'm a total, like, they don't even, know, no one knows yeah. me. And like, then my parents aren't known. Yeah. I'm not known. And then you get on the call, and it's just you and the director. You're like, <sighs> Yeah. <laughs> like, you're just like, so when's everybody else showing up to the call? Or... Am I for early? I'm so- yeah. uh, sorry. I can come back. <laughs> yeah. That's so cute. That is pretty awesome. So, if you didn't know by now, this mm. is, in fact, a musical. Yes, what? it is. So, we do, at some point, have to talk about the music and the songs. Ooh. <gasps> which is going to be right now. <laughs> So, the original 1988 film was not a musical. Shocking. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so, when Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman sat down to watch the film, they were inspired by various lines and the tone of the film to write several songs that captured the story and spirit of Tracy Turnblad and the 1960s Baltimore. Yeah. It's, it's actually funny because if you watch this musical first and then go back and watch the 1988 movie... Mm-hmm. You go, ah, ah, I hear, ah, eh. yeah. you, you hear lines, you're like, oh, that had, yep, that that's yes. a song now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Since the film is an adaptation of the musical, its structure is a little different. It focuses more on the story, and some of the songs were dropped. While the production lost songs like Mama, I'm a Big Girl Now, The Big Dollhouse, and Cooties, it gained songs like The New Girl in Town and Lady's Choice. Heck yeah, it yes. did. And like we said at the beginning, 
all of these songs are certified bops. Yes. Bops. Man. They're all incredible. I yes. love this musical. <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit about the songs in, this, in, the, in the movie and... We're also going to talk a little bit about our experiences with Hairspray. Yeah. Because yeah. when we were in high school, our high school actually put this on. Mm-hmm. Yes. I was yes, in the costume did. department. Adam was in the band. So yeah. Adam played all oh, this music. Yeah. I was yeah. on the drums yeah. for, the, for the music. Marcy and I both auditioned for the yes. musical. Yes. We did. Yeah, we did. Oh, sweet. Which yep. is very out of character for us. We, but we did. Yes. It was very out of character. Because we were seniors in high school and it was it was the end. It was yep. time to do crazy things. It was the last things. time. Yep. And, um, it, and heck, it's a good musical to like, yeah, exactly. go for. Yes. They actually came to me for this and were like, would you play drums for Hairspray? And I'm like, oh. okay. Because <laughs> because honestly, lo- well, luckily, it was the second musical I had done yeah. in high school ah, yes. for music. So I was already like in and I was like, all right, I got it this time. Okay. Little did I know this yeah. was such a bop musical. Yeah. Because um, I was the only senior. Yes. Yes. You were first chair, huh? <laughs> yeah. Technically. <laughs> I was the only senior in the percussion section of the band. Yeah. So they're like, hey, Adam, you want right. to do that? And I'm like, oh, look at you big time. But hey, yeah. it was fun anyway. Anyone listening, don't be impressed by me being like first chair percussion. Because like I said, I was the only one. We had a <laughs> tiny, tiny little babies band with like four people. <laughs> so the first song, obviously, we're going to talk about is Good Morning Baltimore. Hooray. Bum, bum. bum. This is a bombastic opening number that incorporates the sounds of 1960s pop. It starts with an attention-grabbing drum beat mixed with the peppy vocals of Nikki Blonsky. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love this opening. It's really fun. Shaman and Whitman took inspiration from Oklahoma, as that musical opens with the number, Oh, What a Beautiful Morning. Ah. Yeah, they wanted the story to include to welcome the audience and set the tone as Tracy happily exclaims, Good morning, Baltimore. Hey. In this scene, John Waters makes a cameo appearance as the flasher who lives next door. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> uh, the song is funny and perfectly paints Tracy as the lovable optimist who sees every day as a new opportunity to make her dreams come true. One of my favorite things about this whole musical is perfectly personified in this song is that yeah. Unchallenged optimism. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And just like, you know, a song that, you know, a musical that starts with a song like this is like, this is going to be a fun ride mm-hmm. for the whole time. And it totally is. Yeah. I I love it. It, it. And it has so much of that 1960s sound. Mm-hmm. Like the rats on the street all dance around my feet. And <laughs> yes. it's just a shot of just rats on the street. <laughs> I, and, you know, and it's just all all of these like little clips of. You know, things, gee, aren't that great, but, you know, Tracy no. thinks they're awesome. She mm-hmm. gets hitches a ride with a garbage truck. Yeah. She, you know, there's the, there's the bum on the barroom stool. They wish <laughs> me luck on my way to school. <laughs> it it, it, it kind of reminds me of Skid Row from mm-hmm. Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. But, oh, but like, like a whole different perspective. But like in yeah. an optimistic way. Yeah. But yeah. Good. After that, there's The Nicest Kids in Town. This song introduces Corny Collins, the show that would be the focal point of the film. It's a snarky song that pokes fun at ensemble shows of the 1960s era, like the Mickey Mouse Club and, of course, American Bandstand. Yeah, uh, which yes. is essentially Corny Collins' is American Bandstand, yeah. right? It's basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. You got local teenagers yep. auditioning, dancing on the show. Mm-hmm. 
you know, they it's like they, these kids are going to school with celebrities. Like there's essentially yeah, right. celebrities <laughs> because these kids are on TV and they're everyone's watching it. Mm-hmm. What a world. Yes. Yeah. And this really sets up the conflict of the movie. This this song does it pretty well. Tracy and Penny are racing home to watch this show. It's really important to them. And this is where they find out that there's going to be auditions. Yeah. And, and Tracy's going to go audition for the show. Uh, there's a line in, in the song, you know, James Marsden's on the screen. He's dancing. He's doing the twist. There's a, a line in the song that says, nice white kids that want to lead the way. Yeah. yeah. And Ugh. he mentions the segregated show. And so we know that the shows are segregated. Once a month, they have the black kids come on and do yep. their and do their their day that they get once yeah. a month. Ugh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Is this mm-hmm. a daily this is a daily show, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So think about how few episodes that is in yeah. relation to how yes. often the show airs. Throughout the movie, we're seeing songs being featured on the mm-hmm. Corny Collins show. Mm-hmm. These are like local songs, artists, covers, you know. And this is just generally what the show was. You know, yeah. you had the kids doing slow dances together. You had them doing whatever the newest dance was. Yeah, whatever the newest the mashed potato and yes. whatever. <laughs> yes. So then after that, of course, there is the legend of Miss Baltimore Crabs. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> so this song introduces Michelle Pfeiffer's character. Woo, yes. Yes. This introduces Velma Von Tussle. Yes. And this is kind of like your epitome of the HBIC, you know? <laughs> and and you, you really, you do not like her. She's mm-hmm. bigoted. Basically, she's stuck in, you know, this kind of glory days mentality. Mm-hmm. She's not, you know, and she's forcing her daughter, Amber, to... to be what she was at this age and mm-hmm. you know trying to relive her like glory conform days. to this yeah 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 it's actually interesting because amber who is played by britney snow she is mm-hmm. kind of like you know she's the antagonist female yes and we don't really get a song where we get to know her she doesn't no. really sing it's not really a singing role mm-hmm. even though this song is sung by velma von tussle this song really gives you perspective on Amber and makes you understand mm-hmm. yeah. kind of what she has to deal with. This is also the audition song. So yes. Tracy is actually auditioning for the show at this time, mm-hmm. and she's singing about why Tracy will not be allowed on her show. The filmmakers intended to replace this song, and several new tunes were written for this purpose. Michelle Pfeiffer actually spoke up and felt that none of the replacement songs gave her character the same amount of depth as Miss Baltimore Crabs. So it stayed in the film. All right. Yay, yeah. Nice. Also in this scene, this is the scene where they all the men, the teenage boys are all pick they pick yes. up Michelle Pfeiffer. And I remember reading back in 2007, reading an Entertainment Weekly article <laughs> where Zach Efron talked about that and was like, I was <laughs> so starstruck to yeah. be working with Michelle Pfeiffer yeah. and so scared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. of dropping her. Terrified <laughs> 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 When we had to pick her up. I was, oh my gosh. You wouldn't live that down. Yes. No. Yes. Yeah, we, you would not. I Can Hear the Bells is the next song. And I think now is the time to talk about Tracy and Penny. Yeah. And their friendship and their relationship. So the story focuses a lot on Tracy Turnblad mm-hmm. as the lead. Yeah. But 
Tracy wouldn't be Tracy without Penny. Yeah, she would not. <laughs> yes, Penny Pingleton, who is her best friend and is like the picture of innocence. <laughs> she always has pigtails. She's always yep. eating a lollipop. And when Marcy and I went to see this in theaters, I remember this was the song. This was the song that we saw it and it was like, it's us <laughs> on screen. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. It's true. Yeah, it's uh, true. Yeah. Penny just follows her along, being like, "What? What are you talking? What the hell? What?" So yeah. So honestly, even the relationship between Penny's mother and mm-hmm. Tracy's mom yes. reminded me of my mom and your mom and, and yeah. their interactions with each other. It, yes. it really did. It yeah, uh, I agree because. Your mom never wanted to deceive my mom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We just always kind of didn't tell her stuff. Yes. So, for example, <laughs> you did the deceiving. Exactly. Yes, we're like, we don't want you to be involved in this. That's fine. Yeah. So, for example, in the movie, Penny is over at the Turnblad residence, <laughs> and they're dancing to Corny Collins show. Yes. And as soon as Penny's mom comes, Penny hikes over the couch to hide uh-huh. and oh my gosh. Tracy's like telling her mom like don't don't, you know, don't, don't. tell you know mm-hmm. and finally Edna is like Penny didn't get permission to be here yeah like what she, uh. she, she didn't hide yes. it for she's him. yes she's a good mom and yeah. she treats Penny's mom with respect so, yeah. yeah. Um, so if you watch this movie, you can perfectly see yes. uh, Robin and my relationship and our yes. mother's relationship. When, you, when the movie about you guys comes out, it'll just have yeah. basically this scene <laughs> taken from Hairspray yeah, kind of, yeah. Yeah. put well, into then. your movie. It, it's really funny because basically what happens here is that Tracy has a crush on Link. Link mm-hmm. brushes up against her. They meet in the hallway. Oh, yeah. my. And she has this total, like, <laughs> Break from reality, yes, where she's complete oh my God, fantasy. We're gonna get married, mm-hmm. you know, like the classic, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's so funny because you know this is it, it, you know, Penny is following her around, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but she's still doing it. She's still yeah. following her around. She's like tossing toilet paper at her and like <laughs> just bringing her. And it's just very, it, it is, it is a lot like our relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, I support you no matter what. Thank you. And, Thank uh, you, Mars. Yeah. I appreciate Aww, it. Cute. So uh, this is the moment when Tracy falls in love with Link. It perfectly captures the magic of a teen girl's fantasy and depicts how people can read too much into a small encounter. This scene sets up the idea that Tracy and Link's relationship may just be a fantasy, but the film turns that expectation on its head when Link falls in love with her as well. Aha, gotcha. Yes. yes. Captured. If, yes, if you're not familiar with the story and you're watching this, you're going to go, oh my God. Oh my God, it's going to break her heart yeah. because she's like, oh, I'm in love with him. And you think he's definitely not going to be into yeah. her, but he totally is. Yeah. 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 It's like that meme I've heard where it's like, oh, you know that one time that you showed me affection or, or, <laughs> or basic human decency? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm here to stay now. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So after that, there's Ladies' Choice. This song was actually written just for the film and was a show-off number for Zac Efron's Link Larkin. Zac actually, I think, got this part because of High School Musical. Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah, he did. yeah, in most of these songs, he doesn't have big solo parts. Mm-hmm. Like, every once in a while, there's a solo, but he really yeah. doesn't have like a big number to himself. No. So it's cool that they did this for him. 
The song was inspired by the sounds of Elvis, obviously a style icon for Link as well, and a popular singer from the 1960s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Link is definitely inspired by Elvis. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. A lot of innuendo in that song, too. Yes, there sure is. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? But it's very well hidden. All songs from the 1960s were about sex. That's true. Yep. I was listening to 60s music with my sister Rachel recently. I was helping her at her house. And <laughs> the songs kept coming up. And we're like, God, these yep. are dirty. There's another one. <laughs> these are yep, dirty there's songs. Another one. <laughs> and we were just like singing away when yep, we were yep, kids. Had yep. no idea. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. so funny how that happens. Like, still. <laughs> Yeah. You know, if yeah. you don't pay attention to lyrics, you're like, yeah, it's great. Oh, it's so fun. Oh, I know. Yeah. And you read it, and you're like, oh. Wow. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> then there's New Girl in Town, which is, this yeah. is kind of a different, different song. So this song was written for the original musical, but was not used in the original musical. Uh huh. Yeah. So Shaman added it back into the movie as a song sung on the Corny Collins show. It worked perfectly as a way to show the culture of the show and the contrast between the segregated white and black casts. This is a song that you see performed by both. And so you can kind of see how they're performing the same songs, but it's still so segregated. Right. Yeah. That they're having, you, you know, both of the white and black cast of kids sing the same songs. But unfortunately, in this one, Velma Von Tussle accuses them of stealing the song. She sure does. <sighs> she accuses them. Yeah. And then, you know what Motor, Ma- Motor Mouth Mabel says? Mm. She says, they wrote the song. She's like, what else can we do? Like, we literally, we literally, it's literally made ours. our own song. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it's one of those really nice scenes with... Maybell, Motormouth mm-hmm. Maybell, which we haven't really talked about yet, Queen Latifah. No, not yet. Because she is honestly, uh, to me, she's just like the the emotional rock mm-hmm. of this whole story. Yeah, she is a force. Yeah, and it, because you see, she is struggling. She is yeah. fighting this whole time, but she has to walk that line of, oh, I can't really speak up. I can't really, because then I'll just k- get kicked off the show. Yeah. And it also frames Amber's jealousy for Tracy in a clever tune sung in universe. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, isn't it funny how when, you, when you're going through a breakup, all you ever hear on the radio are sad songs? Yeah, right? what yep. is that about? Yeah, <laughs> so it, it's kind of like one of those things. They're singing a song that just happens to match up with the fact that Tracy is the new girl in town and she's taking away Link's affection and Amber's pissed off about it. Yep. So after that, there's Welcome to the 60s. This song is like a coming out party for Edna's character, as Tracy convinces her to leave the house for the first time in a long time. Yeah, she says 1951. I think. Yeah, I believe she does. When she's left the house, it reminds the audience that even though these characters don't have to deal with the nightmare of racism, they still struggle with how society perceives them as overweight women. This song is really nice because it's it's a song of self acceptance. And of the world accepting them. They're finding people who accept them. And it just feels really good. Yeah. Like they're going out and no one's telling them to change. They're going out. And so people are saying, hey, you're fine the way you are. In Mm -hmm. fact, we can make you look great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's no reason for you to change who you are. And it's a really nice song. That Obviously, at the end of it, it all kind of comes crumbling down with when Velma runs into Mm -hmm. them and and makes Edna cry. And it's kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. Because she's like so confident and so happy, and then it all comes tumbling down. 
But when you know when your self esteem is fragile like that, it, it all it takes is one comment. Yeah. Yep, just ruins your day. The scene also features the wonderful Jerry Stiller, who played Tracy's father in the 1988 film. Yay. Nice, a nice little, little yeah, a nice little appearance, and he mm-hmm. has a quite a. I mean, he has a lot of lines in this. Yeah, scene. he does. Yeah. yeah, he's quite a memorable character. Yeah, and then of course this song has the line: "People who are different, their time is coming." We're still waiting, but it's on its way. (laughs) (laughs) So after that, run and tell that. Probably one of the faves. Yeah, this is one of my favorite songs of the whole of the whole musical. Run Mm -hmm. and tell that. I don't know how you guys feel about it. I love it. I listen to it multiple times. (laughs) Yeah. This song is awesome for a lot of reasons, but I was in love with Elijah (laughs) Kelly, who played seaweed. I can't confirm. Oh my god. This song has another big number, showcasing the vocal talents of Seaweed, played by Elijah Kelly. Like the other character-driven songs of the musical, this song has a distinct musical style, and it has elements of R&B. So each character up to this point has had their own kind of style when they sing their song. Yeah. The songs haven't all been... They don't all sound the same, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They kind of almost sound like they could each be from different musicals, Mm -hmm. which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of harkens back to plays like Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. They do the same thing. It's right before he invites them to his mother's record store and they kind of become friends for the first Mm -hmm. time. It introduces Seaweed's younger sister, little Inez, and it's the first time Penny takes notice of her love interest. As of this time, Penny and Seaweed's relationship would be illegal in the 1960s. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so right after this scene, I think is a scene in the record shop. Where, right, they take Link yeah. and Penny and Tracy, and they're yep. all in the record shop, and they're dancing, and they're having a good time as young, like, 15-year-old girls. Mm-hmm. We had no perspective of nope. any of this stuff. <laughs> nope. There's a scene in the record store where it's Link who says he feels uncomfortable, mm-hmm. he feels unsafe it, there. Yes. Yeah. And that part of town, yeah, whatever. Uh, and I, and so I, I think Maybell responds and says, "We have much more to worry about in your part of town, yeah, than you do here in our mm-hmm. part of town." Mm-hmm. First of all, how horrible to yeah. like go into someone else's space like that and mm-hmm. be like, "Man, I don't feel safe here." Yeah, yeah, it's like why pain in general? <laughs> yeah, why don't you feel safe? Yeah. Who who here is threatening you? Yeah. And then on top of that, just like that response is so poignant. Like, yeah. it's true. Yeah. There is a scene in the Corny Collins show. Mm-hmm. They had, they just finished up a number or something on their, on their day. And she goes to do the commercial because yeah. they, they, you know, have to read off a commercial. And it's a commercial for a Napaway hair product. Yeah. And Motormouth Maybell, just at the end of it, or like just through that, it has just this kind of disgusted look on her face. Like, why do I have to do this commercial kind of Mm -hmm. thing? And when I was younger, I didn't understand it. I was like, oh, just it's a hair product, whatever. You know, she's just annoyed with Velma Von Tussle or whatever. And just rewatching it again, I was like, oh my gosh, why did it not dawn on me that that was just so demeaning and just yeah. terrible that, that she had to read this 
nap away product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the fact that I was young and I didn't get it mm-hmm. then means that, you know, it continued. Things like yeah. that yeah. still don't dawn on us. And, you know, we need to be more aware. We all can be better. Yes. So the next song is Big Blonde and Beautiful. I really like this song, too. Yes. So this song has three different perspectives and clearly shows the personality and motives of three different female characters. Initially, it's a song sung by Maybelle, but then it is a song that represents Edna becoming more comfortable with her body. So it's this very vivacious, hey, yeah. I'm beautiful the way I am. There's a yeah. line that, she said that, that Maybelle says, Big is back, and as for black, it's beautiful. It's very, I love who I am, I accept who I am, Mm -hmm. I'm beautiful, and I have to say, Queen Latifah is beautiful. Yes. (laughs) And uh, and I just, yeah, I love Queen Latifah for so many reasons. She's in Chicago. Yes. She's one Um, of the reasons why Chicago was so incredible. Yes. (laughs) And when I was a kid... Watching Queen Latifah was so special to me. Yeah. Most of the time, when there is a bigger person in anything, yeah, uh, it's a plot point. Yep. You know, like they address it, it all the time. Yeah, it's make a, fun of it. The characters whatever. eating all the time. Mm-hmm. It's a big thing. But Queen Latifah, like seeing her on Fresh Prince of Bel Air, mm-hmm. and like she was, you know, in Chicago. Yeah. I remember seeing her and thinking, she's beautiful the way yep. she is. Yep. She doesn't have to change. No. Mm-hmm. She's perfect. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, having her in this movie is such a big deal. It's such yes. a perfect choice. The song also, this is also the song that Velma sings as she intends to seduce Mr. Turnblad Ugh, yes. in, at this point in the film, which <sighs> is a disappointing and disgusting part yeah, of the movie. Yeah, it's a very yeah. disgusting part. Yeah, because Edna has finally embraced her body. She's mm-hmm. excited. She's happy. She's confident. She comes home, and her husband is with another woman. <laughs> yes. After that, there's Your Timeless to Me. This is one of the funnier oh, numbers. Yes. The, it's <laughs> sweet and funny. Yeah. And hilarious. This is the classic number that showcases John Travolta and Christopher Walken's voices. Travolta was hesitant to take the role since it had been many years since he had starred in a musical. And Christopher Walken isn't really known for his musical abilities. <laughs> the two make a perfect pair as they sing about each other's timelessness. Yes. And I, I, I really like how... I guess more with Christopher Walken, but like, I think it has a lot of charm where they're not like super good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah. What I mean? yeah. John Travolta not having done it for a long time, it's not like he's in his prime at this time, right? Yeah. So it's like, it's a little bit, you know, not as well performed. But I think that's part of it. Like, yeah. it's mm-hmm. they don't care. You know what I mean? It's a they're singing about each other. They're singing to each other. And they're like, it, who cares? We're timeless. <laughs> yeah. No matter what changes, you know, we feel the same about each other and that kind of stuff. And I, I, I really like the way that it's done with these two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so sweet. I love it. They're on like a rooftop. Yeah. And they're just they're singing together. Mm-hmm. And it's just a very intimate yeah. scene. And it's a very intimate song, but it's funny and it's sweet. And it really has the feel of people who have known each other forever. Yeah. Yes. You yes, know, the you fact f- that you're able to poke fun at each other, mm-hmm. but like in a loving way. Yes. That like... yeah. it, it's great because yes. it's something that real couples do. Yes. Couples that have been together yeah. for a long time do that. Yeah. It, it, yes. It's like that old married couple thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like marriage is not as romantic as everybody thinks it is. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. You yeah. know, you see the pictures of the wedding and you're like, oh, that's the wedding. Everything after that <laughs> is different. Yeah. 
Everything Even the after- wedding is a fabrication. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. You're so stressed. Yeah. Everything after that is, you know, bad morning breath, you know, like you take showers together to save water, not yeah. for any other reason, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> you know. So, yeah. I know where I've been. It's the next song on the list. So the biggest, most heartfelt and show-stopping song of the musical goes to Motormouth Maybell. Maybell is an emotional anchor throughout the story as she fights for equality on the Courtney Collins show. In a musical filled with fun, bouncy songs, this ballad lands perfectly with the audience. While Tracy is fighting for integration, this moment isn't about her. It's a chance for the audience to really hear Maybell's perspective as a black woman in the 1960s. Yeah. Yeah, it, it... You know, it's something, there's something to be said about this perspective because, you know, Tracy being the main character and fighting kind of for the same thing. Yeah. You know, you you get that and you understand that, but at the same time, it is still, you know, is different and mm-hmm. and, and still necessary despite yeah. the main character fighting for the same thing. You know what I'm yeah. trying to say? Yes. Mm-hmm. In the movie, you think, as Tracy being the star. Mm-hmm. You think, okay, this is about Tracy fighting for equality, and it's not. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. she takes this sidestep away from everything, and it's like this is what it's. This yeah. is what the fight is really we've, about. We've been fighting for this this yes. whole time, and we're going to continue. Yeah. with Tracy's help. Yeah, but, you yeah. know, we we are still, you know, we've been doing it this whole time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks for showing up. The party's been going on for quite some time. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to do this with you or without you, but yes. you're welcome to help. So after that, there's Without Love. So in this song, Zac Efron was actually forced to make out with a photo of Nikki Blonsky. <laughs> Apparently, he had to do that for several takes. Oh, my gosh. Oh. This is the sweet song about young love and finally unites the two major couples, Tracy and Link and Seaweed and Penny. Oh, yes. This is when everybody finally kind of admits their love for each other. Mm-hmm. It's sweet. Mm-hmm. They kind of become a little unit, like mm-hmm. a little group. Both sets of couples have their challenges as the group must work to break Tracy out of prison and into the Miss Teenage Hairspray competition. You know, Seaweed and Penny is the relationship to live for in this yeah. musical. <laughs> and it's really fun to see them finally get together in this yes. scene. It's nice. After that, there's It's Hairspray, which is the song they sing at the Miss Hairspray competition. Yeah. As you do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I remember when we put on this play and we did this scene with this song and the kids had real hairspray cans. Oh my gosh. And <laughs> there was an aerosol cloud. Oh my gosh. Just, that just floated. It just up, huh? sat on above the stage. <laughs> you could just see it, it got it, it yeah, it was kind of oh hard to my see. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah. <laughs> Through all of it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, those kids were really spraying it. Yeah. <laughs> of course, there's the literal showstopper because this yes. is basically the last show oh, last song of the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have You Can't Stop the Beat. No, you can't. You really can't. And it's really hard to get it started, though. I'll tell you that much. Because <laughs> when this this is the most memorable song um, from my experience uh, doing the music in high school because it is so fast, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but yet so intricate mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. for the music because it's it like the the tempo's always up but the but the i i don't know the musicality is always stopping and going because yeah. 
you know, when they sing, it's like very like definitely the singer is the most important bit of this music, but then yeah. it jams out to every, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's so, it's so back and forth. And I remember at this time I was also taking drum lessons. <laughs> so I was kind of learning, uh, reading the music at, at the same time. Yeah. And I remember in one of the first like practice sessions where it was just the musicians in the band room, when she showed me the tempo of this song, I was like, no, 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 no. It can't be that <laughs> fast, you really. Doing? You're killing me. <laughs> but somehow, somehow I was able to do it. And I just, I remember like looking back and during the show, I would read the music. Mm-hmm. But this one time in the practice, I didn't. I was just kind of a blur, but I got it right. And she was like, nice. And I was like, what happened? Oh my what? gosh! You're I, finally in the groove. Like I woke, Can I replicate that? Yeah, right. Like I woke back up and it was over. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, did anyone record that? Can we just play that? Can we just play that, please? <laughs> it was it was very bizarre. And then after that, once I you know started to actually get it after we'd done more practices yeah. and done the first show, I was like, this is so much fun. I it remember... ended up being my favorite song to yeah. play. Oh, good. Yeah. I remember how stressed you were. I was very stressed. <laughs> yeah. I was very stressed because I'm not somebody who likes to perform in front of people. Yeah. yeah. I I understand that the music is not I'm not on stage doing it. Yeah. We're yeah. off to the side. Mm-hmm. People are just listening. Yeah. But people are listening but you're at so least. Important. You're it's so still, important. Yeah. If you mess up, it's It's over. Yeah. It's yeah. over. <laughs> the music didn't mess up at all through the the three showings that we did. But I remember when people on stage messed up. Wow. People I forgot their lines and stuff. Yes, I remember yeah. that stuff too. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's amazing when you put on a production backstage. Yeah. <laughs> you know about every mistake, yes. every yep. mess up, everything. But the audience doesn't usually know. Yeah. No. Yeah. They usually don't they mm-hmm. don't pick up on it most of the time. Nope. But you know every problem. The singers referred to this song as You Can't Stop to Breathe. Because there were so many words. Exactly. That's how I feel. (laughs) And so few pauses. Oh, yeah. Since Queen Latifah was used to performing as a rap artist, she nailed it on the first take. Oh, snap. Hell yeah. I mean, she's a queen. Oh, yeah. Rita Ryak, the costume designer, remembers that she at first wondered how Penny Pingleton would get the gown she wears in the final number. Rita decided Penny would have had to make it from her bedroom curtains. For the bottom of the dress, the valance of the curtains were used and hung from the curtain rungs. That's pretty great. Yeah. Yes, wow. and this is an homage to The Sound of Music. Yay. Oh. Nice. Yes. Cute. Turns the drapes into clothing for the yeah. kids. Yeah. It's a nice little number because everybody gets their moment. Yes. Mm-hmm. They also changed this from the musical Little Inez, Seaweed Sister Wins the Miss Hairspray Competition. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Heck yeah. Great. You know, they integrate the show mm-hmm. in this song. It's very uplifting. It's very uplifting and it's very optimistic. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the final notes of the song are the same notes as Good Morning Baltimore. Yeah. So that's a nice little callback, a wonderful little mm-hmm. lay motif going on yeah. there at the end Ooh. of the song. Yeah, uh, listen to we me. We haven't used that one in a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, really fun to play on the drums, apparently. <laughs> Eventually it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It ends with a cute little iris on Link oh, and yeah. Nikki, Nikki kissing, yep. and then boop, the end, yep. of the, end of the musical. Aww. So, in the credits, they had the song Come So Far, Got So Far to Go, which is a nice original song they wrote for the film. 
It had uh, Nikki Blonsky, Queen Latifah, and Zac Efron all singing together. Nice. Mark Shaman worked the song Cooties into the theme music during the Miss Hairspray competition part of the film. Oh, nice. Which is nice because in the original 1988 movie, the song Cooties is actually in that movie, even though it's not a musical. Yeah. They do sing the song Cooties. Ah, nice. And so, yeah, he works that in. Mama, I'm a Big Girl Now was a song that was cut from the production but was re-recorded for the film's soundtrack and credits with all three Tracy Turnblads, Ricky Lake, Marissa Winokur and Nikki Blonsky all participated. Oh, that's so cool. That is great. It's so cute. You have to, you have to yeah, listen it to it. If you have the yeah. soundtrack, just listen to that song. Yes. They all sing it together. It's really sweet. You hear a little bit of Harvey Firestein in there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just a smidge. Yeah. So those are all the songs. Are there any, yeah. have any other thoughts? There's, there are a lot of songs in this, man. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are. It's crazy that they got rid of some. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, dang, how many... Yes. There's a lot, but they're all so good. Yeah. And there aren't any bathroom songs. Mm -hmm. Get up and go get fill your drink songs, Mm -hmm. you know? I love it. This whole, the whole musical, there's great songs every turn. You don't want to miss anything. Mm -mm. And it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So on to starring. First up, we have John Travolta as Edna Turnblad. We, of course, know him from another musical movie, Grease, but he's also Pulp Fiction and Saturday Night Fever. Of course. Yeah. Edna Turnblad, like we talked about before, is traditionally played by a man in drag, and this tradition began with Divine in the original 1988. It's it's such a, like, nobody else is doing something like that, you know? It's a tradition that is so unique to this movie. Yeah. I love that. Christopher Walken as Wilbur Turnblad. He's been in movies like Catch Me If You Can, Pulp Fiction, and Balls of Fury. Hey. Yeah, so love little, that one. That's just a few of all the many that he's, he's been in. Yes. Michelle Pfeiffer as Velma Von Tussle. She's been in Scarface, Batman Returns, Grease 2, and Stardust. Yay. And it's so fun that she was oh. in Grease 2. Yeah. Since John Travolta was in Grease 1. Amanda Bynes as Penny Pingleton. We, of course, remember her from All That and The Amanda Show. She's also been in She's the Man and Easy A. (laughs) Prime. Allison Janney was Prudy Pingleton. She has appeared in movies like The Way Way Back and Ten Things I Hate About You. She's also starred in TV shows like The West Wing and the sitcom Mom. Yeah, she's like a sleeper star. Yeah, she is. She's yeah. been in more than you would think. Yeah, you know, oh, you, she's been in everything. You pick something and it's like, oh, she's probably in it. Yeah, yeah. James Marsden as Corny Collins. He has been in Enchanted, 27 Dresses, X-Men, and more recently, Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. <sighs> yes. Oh, James Marsden. This yeah. was another person. I remember watching this and going, I mean, especially 2007. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, oh my god, so hot for sure. (laughs) Queen Latifah, of course, as Motormouth Maybell. She's known for Chicago, Taxi, Last Holiday, and many more. Yes, loads, so many things. I love Queen Latifah, and I love the name Motormouth Maybell. And if you pay attention, pretty much all the names are alliterations: Velma Von Tussle, (gasps) Tracy Turnblad. 
Yeah. Penny Pingleton. Penny oh Pingleton. Yeah. Yep. It's all of them. All, it's all of them. All of them are alliteration. Yeah. I think so Wilbur Turnblad's probably the only one. Oh. Ah, you're right. Shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Got him. Classic Wilbur. <laughs> yeah, he had, uh, had to be, to be the different. odd man out. Yeah. Brittany Snow as Amber Von Tussle. She's known for the Pitch Perfect movies. Prom Night and John Tucker Must Die. Aww. And Robin and I, of course, yes. remember her on American Dreams, which is, of course, about a 1960s bandstand. Yeah, it's about American bandstand. Hey. Yeah. Elijah Kelly as Seaweed. <sighs> yep. He was in Lee Daniels' <laughs> The Butler, Take the Lead, and the live taping of The Wiz. Yeah. Nice. Then we have Nikki Blonsky, of course, as Tracy Turnblad. Of course. Nikki has been in the movies Waiting for Forever, Queen Sized, and Geography Club. Aww. And according to IMDb, Blonsky still turns up at her former employer, which at one point introduced a new creation, Color Me Cotton Candy, in Blonsky's honor. Aww. Oh. So, she still should have a cold cute. stone. How cute is that? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm here to pick up an extra shift. <laughs> <laughs> I could use the hours for me. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Taylor Parks as Little Inez. She's been in a few things, but she is a really talented songwriter and artist. She's written for many well-known artists, such as Ariana Grande, Nicki Minaj, Alicia Keys, and Fifth Harmony. Damn. Yeah. Holy cow. And Holy I crap. Think, I think she just released a solo album or is planning to. Dude, so, that's amazing. Yeah. That's some huge names right there. Oh, yeah. Oh. And Link, played by Zac Efron. Hey. Link Larkin. Cute. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Known, of course, for High School Musical before this, but he's also been in Seventeen Again and Neighbors. Aww. Luckily, Zac Efron favored this project over the 2006 <laughs> High School Musical tour. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. His dubber from the first High School Musical movie, you know, his singing parts, mm. uh, Drew Seeley stood in Efron's place on the tour. Yeah, awesome. Good. Yeah. I'm glad. Holy Good, crap. Yeah, yeah, this we is needed him in this. <laughs> so, this movie, obviously, we've got some uh, stuff to talk about as far as how it was received. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we all really like it. Uh, oh, yeah. It's yes. wonderful. Mm -hmm. But how did the rest of the world feel? Yeah. <laughs> Hairspray had a budget of about $75 million and had a U.S. gross of almost $119 million. Yay! Ba-boom! After the success of Chicago, Hollywood was interested in adapting musicals again. Films like Phantom of the Opera, Rent, and The Producers weren't doing well in the box office. When Hairspray came out, it was the 10th movie musical to ever make $100 million domestically. Yay! Heck yeah! Some of the other films that passed that mark were The Sound of Music and Grease, as well as the animated musicals like The Lion King and Aladdin. Of course. Obviously. Oh, yeah. According to New Line, the audience split has been 65% female and 35% male. Some of that 65% was these yeah. two hosts. Marcy! Yes! Look at that! Yes. And I'll, I'll be in that 35%. <laughs> yeah, I like this movie, too. They saw this film when it came out. With Robin's mom. That's yeah. pretty cool. My mom took us to see this yeah. right before yeah. we started high school. Do you remember? 
That is a distant memory. Yes, distant, I distant memory. Forgot. And this was such a special musical to see her before high school. Oh yeah. And I, yeah, I just it, the musical means so much to me. You know, mm-hmm. it was really fun to go see it. My mom so good. loved John Travolta, <laughs> so she was happy to see yeah. it too. Yeah. yeah. The movie was nominated for three Golden Globes, a BAFTA, and a SAG Award. Yay, but it didn't win a whole oh. bunch of which, Oscars. Which is <sighs> disappointing, to yes. say the least. Yes. But yeah. at least it did well. Yes. And people, when you talk about it, they're like, yeah, that was pretty good. Yes. In the yeah. court of public opinion, mm-hmm. it was fine. Yes. It was good. <laughs> yes. Yes. So in 1988, 2002, and 2007, Hairspray was simultaneously ahead of its time and timeless. It's a story created by and for people who feel like outsiders. It cast a man in drag in a major role, starting a musical tradition that lasted through every other adaptation of the story. Hairspray explores fat phobia and racial injustice in a meaningful way. It's a story with a message for everyone, but especially the people that don't feel like they have a place in the world. Not only do we have a place, the world will be better the more we embrace our authentic selves and everyone else around us. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's beautiful. Just like this movie, the feelings about it. Yeah. Everything that it addresses. It, mm-hmm. it, it's really wonderful. And you can easily attribute all of those lessons to real life now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone out there who feels like an outsider will relate hard to Hairspray. Yeah. If you haven't seen it yet, go watch it. Yes. Check yeah. it out. Yes. And it, yeah, it's just a really exciting, happy, upbeat, yeah, but important movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It may be all happy and stuff, but there's a lot of meaning behind it. Yeah. It's meaningful. Yeah. It's got heart. Yeah. Yeah. So I think with that, that's a case closed. <laughs> Yay! Yay! Clean. Yes. Yes. Before we go, we'd like to thank our patrons Joel, John, Jacob, Jacqueline, JD, Anthony, Shelly, Linda, Bob, and Carlos. Thank you, Carlos. Thank you guys so much. Yes. Carlos is just the newest one. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, everybody, so much. And if you haven't written a review on iTunes yet, we'd really appreciate that. You know, I think we're in the 40s now uh-huh. on reviews, uh-huh. so, you know, we, maybe we, we can get it to the 60s. I was just going to say, <laughs> wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. <laughs> so maybe, you know, tell a friend, see if they'll listen to us, write us yeah. a review. You know, hopefully they like us. But you can also find us on blackcasediaries.com. You can find our Patreon there. So if you want to, you know, become another patron and get a little shout out every episode, a little extras every week. And let's see. Yeah, follow us on Twitter or Instagram. And uh, and you can now buy us a popcorn. You know how most others, you can buy them coffees. Well, we want popcorn. We don't want coffee. This yeah. is a movie podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you still have to go to www.buymeacoffee.com 
slash black case diary. Yes, it's spelled but, like the Twitter. Yeah. Yes, it's I, our it's like our Twitter handle. If but. you want, you can buy me a crunch a bunch if you want. Because <laughs> that's also good movie yeah. snackage. Yes. I can't yes. believe you did the WWW. I know. Wow. Is it nineteen ninety eight? Like I can't <laughs> believe that. You know. www.pbskids.org. HTTP colon slash slash www. <laughs> no, no, backslash, right? Backslash, backslash, right? Right? Yeah, because oh, forward well. slash is the other way, right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> go check us out. <laughs> we'll we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Later. Henny, you are banned from this house. You will never watch that show again. Without that show, I have nothing. Having nothing builds character.